but there's so much more you could even get out of that particular movement if you start to understand foot position and transfer and and what the rope is doing and how your arm is moving and I can go on and on but I think yeah. I think you know a lot of people jumped in and got their feet wet and did this tiny little piece which was exciting at first and now most ropes at most gyms just kind of sit off to the side and people are like oh, I've done that I don't want to do that today um, whereas I think it could be a very very valuable tool Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Fitness Line Down podcast, where I am your host and owner extraordinaire, Corey Craig. Uh, today, it is my great honor and privilege to invite an, an, an industry elite, let's call her that, a fitness industry elite. This person, um, I, I first got introduced to this person at a Perform Better event, and it's just like, I saw how strong she was, and I was just like impressed. And it's, it's a strength that I just, I don't think you could put your finger on on what it means to be strong. So I'm excited to talk about strength training, all this other stuff and what makes her go. So Ingrid Markham, I am excited to have you on your very first Fitness Land Down podcast. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for having me. That was a very wonderful introduction. Thank you. Oh, wow. I, that was, you know, I am kind of the guy that shoots from the hip a little bit. So I, I kind of made that up, but it's all from the heart. So <laughs> let's just call it that. Um, and now I, I didn't tell you about this, and I'm pretty sure you have not ever heard this podcast because it is, I think Spotify did send me an award saying like, this is the least listened to podcast. And that's totally cool. Um, but what I like to do with uh, my guests is we will play a game called five random questions. And I'm going to throw five questions your way and you're just going to give me the first response that comes to mind. So it won't be, it won't be crazy. Some of it will be exercise based, things like this. So Let's start the game off with how I usually use it. I know you got so many things in your arsenal, but right now, what is your go-to exercise? Uh, for my, well, <laughs> that's, that's such a loaded question. Um, honestly, for a lot of people, it's it's getting out and walking, getting okay. outside and doing something, biking, you know, something, something along those lines. Um, Excellent. You know, that's where my own stuff is right now too, so. <laughs> okay, good. Um, and... I like to usually hit it up with what is your like your go-to sweet treat? Oh, go-to sweet treat. That's that's very simple. Very uh, simple chocolate chip cookies. Okay. Hey, <laughs> I'm a I sugar think... person big time, but chocolate chip cookies, we can't keep them in the house. I'll eat them all. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm digressing and I'm taking away from your spotlight right now, but I have two. Well, I have my wife and then my daughter who is 14 going on 15 this year. And they bake like nobody's business. And now my kids are off of school. So I come home and my daughter's like, hey, I decided to bake uh, two dozen cookies. And I'm like, why? Why do you do this stuff? So it's just, it's it's insane. But I like the classic, the chocolate chip cookie classic. Um, all right. Favorite genre of music? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would actually right now say it's kind of like a, is that a folk country maybe? I guess is what I would say. I don't what know. Would be, what would be the artist in the folk country? Uh, like Tyler Childers. Um, uh, who else? I, I'm terrible at on the spot questions. <laughs> and <laughs> that's why we play the game. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, literally, Corey, I'm telling you, if somebody was like, what's your name? How old are you? I'd be like, uh, 
I don't know. I'll get back so, to you. So it's very difficult for me. My brain just shuts down. I'm sorry. But full, full country. I mean, let's try to keep it more chocolate chip questions. Yeah, chocolate um, chip questions are easy. But what I, lo- I love how you're just like, right now it's this. Because don't we go through phases? Oh, all the time. I'm, I'm returning right now back to my, my 90s. I don't know if you call it grunge, but the whole like kind of rock grunge. I try to stay away from the pop, but I'm kind of getting into that a little bit. So returning back to that. Okay, so I think we did. We did exercise, sweet treat, genre. How about this? Last movie you saw in the theater. Oh, gosh. I have no idea. Wow. Because that's now years. I haven't been to a theater since before 2020. Right. So. <laughs> um, okay, well, then let's follow up that question with this question. Top Gun Maverick, are you going to see it or no? Uh, yeah, I'll see it. I'll see it. I think I... I um, uh, I'll see it with a different perspective, right? It's a different, different point, and I think um, taking it as a separate, taking it, taking it as its separate thing. Yeah, I'm just hoping that when I go to see it, it's just pure entertainment, and I can kind of veg out and not have to worry about anything except like, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, special effects. That's cool. This because it is neat how they return to some of these movies, and you know, think if we had those effects back in the '80s, how. But it's great that we did it so we can appreciate more of our advancement in technology now. Sure. Absolutely. Okay, final, final question. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what I should be asking. Oh, gosh. Let's just make this really, really simple for you. How many dogs do you have at the moment? Oh, that's the easiest question ever. I have six. And <laughs> I have two of them sitting with me right here. <laughs> Excellent. So what are their names? Uh, we have William, who is our 10-year-old English Mastiff. Uh, he's 150 pounds, and or actually a little bit more at this point. Uh, we have Millie and Maddie, who are both tug par- <laughs> pug terrier mixes. They are also 10. We have a 10-year-old Chihuahua named Charlie. And then we have a seven-year-old um, German Spitz named Bandit, who is a stray who showed up. And then we have a seven-year-old, um, he's a, what is he, miniature schnauzer shih tzu mix ma- named Magnus. <laughs> wow. That's, no. uh, that's impressive. That is quite impressive. I know I just, some people I talk to, they're always like, you know, forgive me. I got animals in the background and I'm just like, at one point, I don't know. My, I came home. My kids are not here. I'm at home right now. Um, typically I'm at the gym, but I had things going on. So I know that my neighbor mode is long yesterday. So we don't have to worry about that distraction, but I'm waiting at some point that my door is going to fly open and I'm going to have kids wondering what I'm doing. So if that happens, that happens. That's just dad yeah. life. All right. Yeah, there's usually barking going on at some point in time. So we'll see if we get through I, without it. That would be. I think our listeners are going to be used to that by now. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> More dogs. Um, excellent. So let's, so that was pretty easy. I mean, minus the, uh, the movie theater question, right. you know, now that I think about that, I, I can't even tell you what movie I saw last at the theater. Um, it might've been like the star Wars, like the force awakens or something. I don't know. That's how crazy it is. I like to, I'm just, I like to sit in my house and watch a movie, you know, with the family or something. It's, I get the big screen experience, but like, yeah, I'd rather save a few bucks. Yeah, um, I, feel that I enjoy and, and there's actually more available now, I think, than there used to be. I was lucky enough, you know, where I lived in Chicago, we were close to a drive-in. And mm-hmm. so there was still a drive-in available. There was one when we lived in Tennessee. We actually haven't been to one here yet in North Carolina, but there's more, more of those like, you know, movie in the park, uh, you know outside movies available and like those are great because we can pile the dogs in the truck and like you know you're outside and have the movie on and i like i that that's the environment i prefer oh right 
I'm with you. I, I haven't been to a drive in a long time. I think I was still a young kid. I just remember sleeping in the back seat or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit about you. Um, so I kind of want to know, you started early in gymnastics. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was one and a half. Wow. How do you, I, <laughs> how do you do well, that? How Are you well, just like, we were a very you, active family in general and I had an older sister And the YMCA, which we were members of, had a gym and swim program. And so you learn to swim and then you do a little gymnastic stuff. So, you know, you walk on a little balance beam and jump on the springboard and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I just took to it very naturally and, you know, just kind of dove in and, uh, never looked back. Wow. So you then competed in gymnastics for a while or. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I competed. So I did private club in high school. So I did 35 hours a week when I was in high school, uh, which was a lot, uh, but that was what I knew. And then I did college gymnastics at William and Mary. And, um, so I guess I graduated in 97. So competed for quite a long time. Yeah, it is a <laughs> long time. So do you, do you feel like, I don't, I don't want to ask like a question that is insulting or anything like that, but how do you feel like with gymnastics, the pounding on the bodies and all that? Cause you know, you hear, you hear people talk about, and I'm just such an ignorant person. That's why I love talking to people so I can learn more you know, to talk about how it stunts the, the girl's growth and things like this. Is there any f- facts to that? Or uh, I think to some extent, sure. I mean, it can, it can change the growth plate and, you know, so girls maybe don't reach their full height that they may have if they hadn't done gymnastics, but like if a kid does long distance running at that time, at that age. And I mean, this is like hours and hours and hours. Like I didn't do 35 hours a week till I was in high school. Some girls do that much earlier on. Um, and then maybe that can have an effect. I mean, maybe it just makes you shorter. I don't know that, that, that it's necessarily detrimental otherwise. Um, and I, I, I do know there are many girls who grow after they finish gymnastics. So like maybe they're, siblings reached their full height earlier on. Like both of my sisters were their full height in eighth grade and we're pretty close to the same height at this point in time. And I didn't hit my full height until I was basically out of high school. And yeah. And it was, and I, I don't know that I would have other, except that I got injured every single year. So I spent nine years in a row on crutches every year. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So, um, and I, and yet I, I mean, it was, you know, things happen, but, um, but yeah, like I grew every time I got, I got injured and then grew a little bit at the end. Now, mind you, I was, I was also 16, just two weeks shy of 17 when I graduated from high school. So I was also still pretty young, but, but both sisters were their full height at, you know, 12, 13. So. Huh. I, I need to ask about the uh, graduating early. Like, were you just excellent at all things or. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, so I was, I did go into school early. I went into kindergarten when I was four. And so I was the youngest kid in my class. I actually had to take additional tests and, you know, make sure, but I was reading and my, so my parents knew intellectually I was ready. And, uh, so I started early and then I graduated a semester early in my birthdays in January. So I graduated, Mm. you know, mid January, and then I turned 17 just after that. And the reason I chose to graduate early was mostly because, you know, when you're, when you're focused on gymnastics, that as much as I was, there's not much else that you're involved in. And so it's not like I was, going to prom or going to football games, or, you know, I didn't, I didn't do much in the school necessarily. I was, I was actually part of some clubs and stuff, but my main focus was gymnastics. And so by graduating early, then I could spend a semester. I had hoped focusing on gymnastics. Instead, I spent a semester recovering from a broken heel, but. (laughs) So the injuries, I mean, you talk about nine years of injuries in gymnastics, were they all the same type of injury or different spots or. 
different things. I broke a foot. I broke my calcaneus. I tore my PCL. Uh, I shredded my ankles. I mean, I had all kinds of stuff happen. Uh, but you were so dedicated. <laughs> so dedicated. Yeah, you know, it was never. It was never a question of whether I went back because I just loved it so much, mm-hmm. and it was always my choice. And that's what I wanted. And I mean, of, of all the sports that I've done, uh, gymnastics is, you know, far and away my favorite, that th- favorite thing that I've, I've done out of everything else. Well, I think about the, just the challenge of your own body weight and being able to control and the thing, I mean, it's impressive to watch. Don't get me wrong. I mean, every year when the summer Olympics or not every year, but you know, every four years when the summer Olympics comes on, it's just amazing watching and kind of cringing a little bit because it's like, Oh, I don't know if I want to watch that. It's for me, I, I would fall. I would, I would hit a pommel horse pretty hard. I know that. Yeah. Um, well, I will say that over the years, they definitely have now the skill level in gymnastics has of course increased over the years as well, but, but they've also changed surfaces and you'll see now that, that you, you can place this, an additional mat on top of the landing mat, which really helps with absorbing the shock of the landings. And so there is a lot that's being done to help alleviate some of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the truth is gymnastics is a, is a hard sport. Um, but you know, and especially girls are producing lots of, lots of force, lots of power and, and landing from very high heights from on tumbling and especially on bars and dismounts on beam and from vault. Like it's just the nature of the sport. That's just crazy. I mean, I just, I, it's crazy for me. It's, it's impressive. So impressive. And I think about like, I have an eight-year-old right now. She'll be nine in September and she's our little athlete. I mean, she definitely, and she's a younger one too. I, you know, as you talked about going into kindergarten, younger, she actually entered kindergarten. Um, I think now like legally or not legally, maybe legally, you have to be like six or something. And I think she entered at five, um, just cause her birthday is September 21st. So there was that. And we were at a private school at the time. So they allowed it because they're just like, well, let's see how this goes. And she excelled and she continues to excel, but we have her in dance right now. So she's uh, finished her second year of dance and she is amazing to watch and how she just goes outside and plays. Now she's doing handsprings. And I'm just thinking to myself, dang, I remember when she was starting to do cartwheels and I am no expert on cartwheels. So I, you know, I'm just like, you do you. And she would do the cartwheel and she would do her cartwheels in the beginning looked a lot like my cartwheels now. You know, just like the flat tire where it folds over and, you know, but she practiced that girl just practices, practices, practices. And one day, all of a sudden she's rocking out these cartwheels. I'm like, Ruthie, you go. And one time we had our relatives over just kind of sit around the campfire or whatever. And she's kind of doing this little dance routine and, you know, cause she's an entertainer as well. So everybody's kind of clapping and, you know, enjoying it. And then she busts out a one-arm cartwheel. I'm just like, it's like, I'm a very proud father right now. And I, I didn't coach that. I didn't teach that. She just did that on her own. So you go girl. Um, so gymnastics, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, like gymnastics, what 20 year old, so you can't be a gymnast anymore. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, now I think there we're seeing more girls competing a little bit later, which is great. Um, I'll say I felt ancient at 21. Um, you know, I remember starting college as a freshman and, and our seniors at that time were feeling ancient. And I was like, it's only three years from now. How is that possible? And then as a senior, I was like, oh my gosh, I am broken. Um, but I also think, you know, there's, there's a lot that I learned then as I got into being a coach and understanding the body and understanding the things I was missing and understanding that many, many, many gymnasts are very good at hiding the things that they don't do well. And so then we kind of 
skip those things. And I think if we added a lot of those things in, you would feel much better much later into a career. Um, and I think that's why I was able to jump into other things. Cause I learned how to do some of that. And then that's what allowed me to feel better at 35 than I did at 21. Um, so yeah, I mean, gymnasts, gymnasts are some of the best and worst movers on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great oxymoron right there. Um, now you have a big resume. So after gymnastics, what did you jump in? I mean, like, how do you, because if I remember correctly, then you go to powerlifting. Well, so I took a very brief foray into fitness competitions, um, which usually you're familiar with the bikini part and sometimes the fitness routine. The one that I did, I was, I was very fortunate to get introduced to this competition down in Florida. This guy puts it on, but it's, um, the one I did has a, a, a whole obstacle course involved as well. So like I got to actually go do something. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but I did that very briefly. I realized that the you know, the physique portion on stage was not necessarily where I wanted to spend a lot of time, uh, doing that diet. I mean, that diet is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're getting better with it now, but, uh, but overall it was not a great experience for me that way. Um, and so then I, I became a strength coach and was exposed to Olympic lifting for the first time and was like, Oh my gosh, this is, I belong here. And <clears throat> so, yeah, so I jumped right into weightlifting and then kind of kept going from there. <laughs> now when you do weightlifting, so I had my little internship with the Chicago bulls and things like, and they always said that when you begin a weightlifting, learn one lift first, right? So you have, I mean, you have the power clean you have the snatch and then we can go to like a clean and jerk, things like that. Is that what you feel would be kind of the appropriate? Um, um, I, I think because the pull is so similar that I, I, I always teach both. Um, and I mean, you're always, forever. I mean, even at the end of my career, refining movement and positions and, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a never ending process, but, but I, I, I think that they, you can certainly learn them both together. Um, but it, but it also depends on your environment and your athletes and what you're doing. And I mean, there's, there's certainly many different approaches, uh, but I don't, I don't think it's detrimental to learn both. Um, I learned both mostly because I was learning as a coach. So I was already a strength Mm -hmm. coach at William and Mary working with athletes. And I had taken the course to be able to teach my athletes how to lift. And then just kind of found that I was like, oh, I can do this too. That's a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm going to also do that. So I of course learned both because I was coaching and I had to teach my athletes. Yeah, that's impressive. And what was the big, like at the certificate was at the USAW Mm -hmm. Federation or something? Um, yeah, yeah, it was, um, which it's now USAW at that time. It was USWF, US weightlifting. Oh, USWF. Yeah. And, and then it changed over time. That's how long ago I did it. Um, but yeah, so I was back in 99, I guess I took, uh, I took that course and, um, and you know, it's, it's partially lecture based and going through all of the different things. And then it's also hands-on and it was the hands-on portion that was like, this stuff is amazing. <laughs> and, yeah, no, you know, well, and that's another thing is like, it's impressive to watch the, you know, competition and weightlifting, you know, you see people that aren't very big, you know, you think about strong men and strong women in their sport, like they're just gigantic mountains, but then you get somebody that's lifting as much weight as they lift. And they're usually, you know, I mean, they can be bigger, but it's just impressive watching people that are really not big, move a lot of weight. And it's, it's and about the efficiency, quickly. right? It quickly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always impressed. And I think it's just fun to watch the, you know, how do you say it? Like when you're a professional and you do it, it looks so easy. Mm -hmm. You know, you just watch like, whoa, that's, 
you know, and then you find out how much weight is like, holy crap, that's, that's impressive. And when so you get it just right, it feels easy, even mm-hmm. if it's a PR. I mean, it's like when you just hit that lift, just the way it's supposed to be done. I mean, it's like, ah, oh, I could do so much more. <laughs> you get off just that tiny bit and then it feels infinitely heavier. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I tell the people in our gym um, or whoever, whoever allows me the chance to talk to them, that power, you know, people, people really miss the boat when it comes to power training. You know, we do, you know, the ultimate sandbag, Josh Hankin, things like that. So we do a lot of power cleans using the ultimate sandbag, snatches even. And I try to tell people how power is about precision and timing. You know, they, they think it's all about just going as fast as you can. And it's going as fast as you can at the right time. And I think that that's always, it's always been something for me because you get so many people, you know, I think about some of these gyms that have group training or whatever, and they're doing burpees or they're doing something, you know, maybe they're doing snatches and all that. And I see so much more muscle snatches or reverse, reverse, uh, bicep curls, you know, for their power cleans. And it's just, it breaks my heart because they could be taught a little better and that would help their joints down the road. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think the, the thing a lot of people miss is power is an expression of, of force with speed followed by a relaxation to allow that force to, to get transferred. Because if you don't have that and it's, it's a connected relaxation, but it's, you're not forcing it, right? Like it's an impulse followed by, and that's what a, that's what a lift is, right? Or you're changing direction or there's, there's something different that happens. Whereas like, if you're just trying to force all the way through, it's not, you don't have the same expression of power as you do. If you understand that, that timing element. I mean, I think, would you agree that people could relate that to like throwing something? You know, if you just try to muscle a throw, it's not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. And you, you just like, you sound, there's so much like Stu McGill and what you're talking about, how he talks about that moment of relaxation. You, you initiate by the, the force, the, the tension, mm-hmm. and then you let it go. And then you hit that tension again at the right time. Yep. You know, he's talking about one, I remember um, he's talking about martial arts or something like that, maybe MMA yes. fighters. And he was just talking about when you throw a punch. You know, because if you just sit there and you squeeze that punch all the way through, it's going to take you a long time to make that. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be knocked out. But it's that moment of pop. pop. So I, it's just fun to so talk and listen. True, And quite honestly, like that's that's one of the reasons that I got so involved in in the rope training and with battling ropes and, and teaching movement and understanding that your force transfer to the rope and what how your movements and how that transferred and like what that's what that says about how much force you're creating how well you're transferring the force and then like that transfers to everything else but um i know that's not necessarily where we're going well but, no actually uh, i think that's a great segue because you know this is so fluid of a conversation so i'm going to have my shiny object moment because i did want to talk about battling ropes and this could be because i'm going to say once again i'm kind of ignorant when it comes to like battle ropes um i i feel like i know the usual you know kind of the fundamentals. And I'll be honest, at Fitness Line Down, we have some battle ropes, but we don't necessarily use them because we don't have the best place to anchor them. And space can be a little bit of a, an issue, I feel like at times too. Um, but I remember the, I think it was a couple of years ago in Chicago and you had that one battle rope thing where you basically, I feel like you had both hands, you had a handle in each hand, you had the rope and how'd that drill go? Because I remember I had to do it and it was exhausting, but you had to keep the rope moving or something as you're jumping around, you had to kind of play with the rope. So I'd yeah. love to hear because you have an extensive knowledge in battle ropes. And I think it's almost kind of funny because it's almost like a sandbag thing for me. It's just a sandbag. What else can you do with it? Right. So well, I would love you to expound on your knowledge there. 
Absolutely. Well, I, I, I think it's, it definitely relates to what you guys experience that way. It's like, it's a tool that teaches movement and so many other things. And it's not just like these few exercises that the majority of people know, and that's what they buy the, the implement for, um, you know, battling ropes became so popular, you know, 10, 12 years ago when, you know, John Brookfield had come, come out with the training and we started doing certifications and, and people caught on, but like the things that people latched onto were, you know, basically all of the waves and some of that stuff. And it was this great conditioning tool. And so people, you know, wanted to introduce it and it was new and different and whatever. And that's great, but there's so much more that in, that is involved in rope training. So, I mean, number one, all the waves is just one segment of training. We have a whole strength in strength endurance section. There's a whole push pull strength section where you're getting stability and strength at the same time. And it looks totally different than what you're expecting. There's a whole power section. I mean, there's, there are so many other things involved, even when it comes down to the, the waves that most people are, are using like, yeah, you can get on there and go really hard and get a a good metabolic workout. And that's great. And I don't, I don't discount that because it's, it's certainly valuable, but there's so much more you could even get out of that particular movement. If you start to understand foot position and transfer and, and what the rope is doing and how your arm is moving. And like, you understand so much more about balancing out from side to side. And it's, it's just, I can go on and on, but I think, I think, you know, a lot of people jumped in and got their feet wet and did this tiny little piece, which was exciting at first. And now most ropes at most gyms could just kind of sit off to the side and people are like, I've done that. I don't want to do that today. Um, whereas I think it could be a very, very valuable tool. So I'm hoping to, to get a little bit more of that education out there again, because I think now it's a, it's something most people have. And if you have access to it, like, let's use it. Let's let's Mm -hmm. show you how to do some more with it. So. Yeah, that just totally sounds like a DVRT thing. I mean, people get excited because they see a couple exercises, they buy some sandbags, they do it for a while, but they don't understand the content behind it. And so they just put it off the corner like, yeah, okay, I did that. It's just another tool. So when you think, you know, what would be like some of the biggest mistakes people would make with battling ropes? You know, you're talking about feet positions, but if somebody says like, if they're doing waves mm-hmm. and you know, if they're saying like my arms are getting burnt out. So that that's, that should be a wrong red flag, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, most people muscle the rope, especially if they're like really trying hard, but it's like, it becomes this, you know, um, like bicep curl, tricep press, like, and they get real tight and they don't allow their body to have full connected movement from the, from the ground up. And like there's, there's, you know, human movement and and human locomotion are, you know, crucial to how we live our lives and how we, how we perform in activities, even if it's just like recreational stuff. Uh, And, and you can get a lot of that out of the rope training. And I think um, one of the big things I would say is, is most people discount doing things for a longer time. Uh, you know, most people get on there and it's like 20, 30 second intervals. And like, you know, maybe you put it with something else. And again, not discounting that that can be very valuable, but like I came from the power side, like none of my sports except for gymnastics. So, I mean, gymnastics was even two minutes was the longest routine. And then after that weightlifting, bobsled, Highland games, everything else I've done 
nothing lasts longer than 10 seconds for a mm -hmm. physical output. So I am pure power. Like I used to joke, I don't even run around a track. I only run straight lines. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't run curves. So like everything was super, super shoot, super short bursts, you know, full intensity. Um, but when I got introduced to the rope training, part of my introduction was I had to be able to do 20 minutes of waves without stopping at a pace of hundred to 120 per arm per minute. So I had a cadence I had to keep and I had to be able to go for 20 minutes in order to kind of really get immersed in the system. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, why would I do this? I'm not an endurance athlete. Like I don't do anything for 20 minutes, but I will tell you that, that there there's this interesting blend of endurance, but power at the same time, because in order to keep that wave moving, cause that was the other thing, the wave had to actually travel to the end of the rope on every, mm -hmm. everyone as well. So in order to get the power into the rope like that, so people who have good endurance would fade out because they, the power would fizzle and people mm -hmm. who have good power would fade out because their endurance would fizzle. And so finding that balance between the two it also teaches your body to deal with lactic, lactic acid better. Um, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of kind of like hidden stuff that, that like 20 minute, uh, the ability to do 20 minutes straight on the rope changed everything. So for me going into, you know, a power day or, you know, if I'm trying to do an, and I was an older athlete at the time I was going into my later thirties and <clears throat> to be able to do more reps at the heavier weight. So I could do more heavy singles in my day without fatiguing. I could do more sets I could do. So my other training improved because I could do this other piece over here. So it was a really interesting transfer that I really didn't expect. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, uh, I know I'm <laughs> no, this is, this is captivating for me. And I, you know, the, what I really appreciate is your enthusiasm talking about all this stuff, you know, it's just like, I love it when you talk to people and they really have a passion for what they're doing. You know, they, they found the purpose and they just want to share that with everybody. So I'm going to, I will be making that note to myself. I want to look more into battle ropes. Again, space could be an issue, but I think we can make that work as well. Um, so the John Brookfield though, this is kind of, how did you get hooked up with him? And maybe for our listeners, maybe um, talk about who he is. Cause maybe some people don't know who he is. Yeah. Which is so sad. Cause he's, I mean, he's such a, kind of a mad genius, but he's not a scientist, but he just understands it. It's, it's mm -hmm. really fascinating. Um, and I'm so, so, so thankful that I was able to get connected with him. So, um, Randall Strassen, who has iron mind, uh, is the one that connected the two of us. So I had done some things with, with Randall over the years and John was looking for an athlete to be part of the whole battling ropes thing and, and start to bring it out and do certifications and videos and that kind of thing. And so, the, um, so Randall put us in touch and then uh, I went down and met John for the first time. And if anybody's been through a session with me or with John for a short period of time or for a one or two day certification, I had two days by myself <laughs> with John in his garage. And I remember by the end of the first day, I was just like glazed eyed. I mean, it was amazing. But I was just like my, I was so spent. It was so, cause it just, it, the things that he has and the things that he's created just challenge your body in ways that I hadn't experienced before. And it was, it was really amazing. So, I mean, ropes is just one thing that he's done and he's got all kinds of other stuff, but yeah. So I was, um, so I was introduced to him. I was, it was back in like 2008, 2009, something like that. Um, and I mean, I, amazing. I, 
Yeah. Like I was not going to turn back after that. I mean, it was, I was, I was really excited because it was, you know, I, I, at that point, you know, being the athlete I was, and I was already starting to speak in the industry and do some of those things. And so, you know, I could have done a lot of different things, you know, just because I had the exposure to it. Uh, but I wanted to believe in what I was doing. And, you know, I mean, I, I, so I, I, you know, I, I met with John that weekend and then I was sent home with a couple of ropes and practiced for a month. And it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely jumping into this. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I've taken a part in some of his hands-on I perform better because they are pretty eye-opening mm-hmm. and you're not using like, that's the thing. Let's talk about this now. Cause I think you could, with what our conversation has gone is especially a guy like John and just thinking about DVRT. There's so much like interrelatedness. I feel like with some of this, because when I post a video on the gram and I am doing an exercise, most of the questions we get is like, how much is that weight you're lifting? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how heavy is the bag? Because people only feel like strength is, predicated on the weight that you're lifting, but you have a different insight in that. I mean, and we're talking about somebody that's competed yeah. with a uh, weightlifting, but I think you find like a different take on strength. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. I do. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that traditional strength training is crucial to what I was doing. Um, but I, I also think it was enhanced by some of the other pieces. I mean, the power section of rope training usually will take a, you know, 50 foot, two inch rope and lay it out end to end. And even that's only, you know, 40 some pounds. So it's not that heavy of a rope. I mean, or an, or an implement, I should say. So like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm used to to cleaning, you know, almost 250 pounds, whereas like a rope is 50 pounds and you can make it challenging enough that even for an athlete like that, it can be a challenge and it can be beneficial to their training and it can provide an additional source of power training or other things that don't have quite the same detrimental effect on the joints. I don't have to land. I don't have to catch a weight. Like, so I was able to add additional training to my program without some of those other things that I normally have to account for. Yeah. And I, yeah, I really appreciate the word enhanced because I never want to poo poo traditional strength training. Um, it's not what we do in my gym because it doesn't fit the model very well. You know, I mean, we want to be a smaller gym, so we can't afford to have all the weights, you know, price-wise, we can't afford it. Space-wise, we can't afford it. And it just, how we do things works so well. And I, I like it, but I also grew up in traditional strength training and it worked, you know, as a young man, like as a young boy, of course I had testosterone all over the board. So it's like, I look at a dumbbell and, you know, I get stronger just looking at it, but it worked. But, and I think that that's great how you use that word enhanced, because that's what I feel is like the strength I had at that point was one component, but I could actually enhance and bring up more mm-hmm. by adding in some of these other forms of training. And now it's just like, I love this kind of training so much because it's, we know as busy people, we don't have all the time in the day to be working out like we once did. I mean, 35 mm-hmm. hours of gymnastics in high school a week, that's a lot. People can't go to the gym that long and that would be crazy. Um, so when you find something that doesn't take very long, is very effective. It's just a good way to roll. Oh, I totally agree. And for me, I mean, I was weightlifting as a competition. So like I had to do traditional weight training, like that's oh, for sure. I got to be able to move a barbell, um, for the average person who doesn't have that goal or doesn't have that direction. And they're just looking for longevity and overall strength and all kinds of it that you don't necessarily have to go that route. Like, sure. It could, it could fit in very nicely. Like there's nothing, I, it could go either way. And I think there's so many other pieces like DVRT, like battling ropes. There's a lot of things that could be included that don't necessarily need, need 
to rely on any traditional lifting in order to make progress and get you where you want to be. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I, I try to be the person, like, I'm so glad we have so many different options out there for people. And for, you know, like I have, I don't want to say I have anything bad to say about CrossFit and I don't because I've never done it. So I don't know, but I, for a lot of the younger people that love doing that, that's great. And when that point comes where maybe they are starting to get injured a little bit more and they need a different option, then my door's wide open for them. And usually it's a really good, smooth transition for some of those older CrossFitters to come into our gym and start finding out a little bit more. And then, then we always had that discussion of like the aha, because they're always like, well, how much is that bag weigh? <laughs> and I'm like, well, how difficult was that exercise? Like, it was really difficult. And I'm like, well, the bag was 40 pounds. And I'm like, what? You know, they just can't believe it, but it's like, it's true story, Bob. Um, now all this stuff, like I just, it's amazing. Um, but let's talk about, was it three years ago, four years ago, there was an Achilles injury a double it was a double yep double achilles yeah so three years this past february uh which i can't believe it's been three years but i think the last three years kind of feel like one oh, um yeah. <laughs> but but uh but yeah so three years ago and i mean you know i had it was kind of perfect storm i you know i retired from sport in 2013 and i've dabbled in training for myself over the years but i did not, I was not necessarily doing the structural integrity work that I should be doing. I was, but yet I, because of my history and because of my genetics, I can still produce very large amounts of power. And, you know, I went to an an adult gymnastics class and uh, bottomed out in a a mini trampoline and um, both of them went at the same time, but um, thankfully not painful. Um, And, you know, and, and I, I have known enough people that have torn the Achilles. I know it's a year recovery and it's really more like two. Um, it's a year to feel pretty normal. Um, it's two to, to feel more of, of that, um, that like rebound ability. And like, it's, so you're maybe like 80% by year one. And then year two, you're like, Oh yeah, I really didn't feel like a hundred percent a year <laughs> ago. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was quite a, quite an experience. I, um, you know, I, I have had many injuries over the years. Like I said, I did nine years in a row on crutches every year. And at that time in my life, it was like, you know, you'd try to put a, a brave face onto the world. Like, yeah, it's okay. You know, you know, get out of my cast in this many weeks and then I'll do this and whatever. And like, you still do, you know, swing bars with a cast on and, you know, you do all that stuff, but then you go home and you're like, why did this happen again? And you just kind of like, you know, wallow in that whole self-pity. And, um, and what was really interesting about the Achilles injury is that I had done a lot of personal self-work over the years leading up to that and was sort of in a different place mentally. And it was kind of like, I mean, I, I had, had some apprehensions about the surgery because I, I know a few people that have had some infections and almost lost their feet. And so I was nervous about that. But once I got through that part, um, the recovery was actually, um, more focused on, um, like things that I needed to do. Like, how do I make this happen? Not why did this happen to me? And why is this so hard? Um, and what's really fascinating is in addition to being in a wheelchair for eight weeks, um, Cordell and I were living in Tennessee at the time and, uh, he was going to be, so I had my surgery on a Wednesday and on Monday he was going to be leaving and he was going to be out of town Monday through Friday for the, <laughs> for the next three weeks. Of course. So, yeah. So I was on my own, uh, our dog walker very nicely stayed with me, which was 
a great help because at that time we had seven dogs, um, three of which were very big, Great Dane, Massive, actually, yeah, Great Dane, Massive and a shepherd at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so he was going to be gone. So I was on my own and it was like, okay, how do I, cause I couldn't get into the bathroom initially because my feet were straight out and my door wouldn't close. There were all of these things, logistics around the house. That's like, how do I make this happen? So number one, super grateful for being physically strong. Cause I was capable. I couldn't put my uh, pressure on my feet in any direction. So lifting myself up had to be a full L sit to transfer myself to a couch, to a chair, to a bed, back to the wheelchair, etc. Um, and I was just stuck. So, but he, so he left that Monday on Tuesday, called me to let me know he was going to be gone for five weeks, not for three. And <laughs> later on Tuesday called me back to, to let me know that we also were going to be moving to Raleigh while I was in a wheelchair, while he was out of town. So from a wheelchair, I had to get our house ready to sell by myself (laughs) with seven dogs and somehow be able to show the house. At that time I was starting to walk. So I was in two boots and I would have to like take the dogs outside, clean the house and then get all the dogs in the car, take a boot off, drive away. Like it was it was insane. But, um, and I think by the end of the week where we had a bunch of showings, I was finally like, I really hope this sells quickly. Cause this is getting really hard. Right. Um, but up until that point, like I never hit that, like, Oh, why is this happening to me? You know, I, I just never went through that. And so I think that, um, you know, the work that I had done was, was really special and, and it kind of highlighted where I was at in my life. Um, so it was a, it was a different place. You know, it's a, it's amazing. And I, I will admit that I kind of used you a little bit as inspiration um, when I broke my ankle. Uh, That's right. You did I, that not that long afterward. No, yeah, it was uh, January of 2020. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like, I just, it's an ankle, you know, I mean, I'm not, and I just remember your, uh, you know, your social media and stuff like that. And you're talking about it. And I'm like, I think I can make this. And, and it was, it was so small. I mean, it was, but it's, it was my, it's a disruption in your life. Like you have to figure out all kinds of things, right? I mean, it it affects a lot. And especially if you've got kids that you're trying to like chase after and manage and like get to places. And I mean, well, my kids became like little nurses. That was great. Like they just totally turned around. And I mean, I, I got pampered probably more than I ever did. And it was almost hard to not, you know, it's like, you don't want your leg to be broken because you want to get on with your life. It was like, I, I kind of enjoy this a little bit. So I, I, I sucked it up or I sucked it up. I took all of it in that I could. Yeah. So yeah, I sucked up my pride. And that was the one thing too, is pride, right? Because I'm like, I can go do things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't do things. And it's just, and it's funny. Cause I remember coming home with the cast on because I, I downplayed it. I said, ah, it's just a high ankle sprain. Cause I could, I could weight bear on it because it was the tibia. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, it's a non-weight bearing bone, so I could still walk, but I walked with a big limp, I guess it wasn't that big, but, um, but I remember when I found out that it, yep, it was confirmed it was broken. They put a splint on. And the thing was, is that we have two bathrooms, one on the main level, one down, um, downstairs, the main level one is a, like, it has the big tub thing that you have to step over to get the one downstairs is the walk-in. <laughs> so it's almost like, what's the battle I'm going to choose. And I chose the stairs to go down so I could walk into the tub because it was so much easier to just like, I could crawl down the stairs. Um, and it's one of those things, like, it's just so good to be that strong that you don't have to, you know, cause I just think about that people that have these situations where they break a bone and they're not very strong and how difficult that must be. Mm-hmm. And then I think you would agree on this, the strength that you have um, physically, mentally, even, and then even the strength that I have, 
helps that healing process. Mm-hmm. You know, how much more you can rebound after that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What? Yeah. I mean, that, that all comes into play for sure. And that's why I keep telling people like, you know, I'm, I talk to people daily about joining our gym because we have in, you know, people interested. And I try to let everybody know that you deserve to be strong mm-hmm. because we chase all these other modalities of fitness, which is, it all works. I like get all plays together. But if you're not strong, so many other things just don't happen very well. You know, you, if you're not physically strong, running is not going to happen very well for you. You, you right. might think you're running, but down the road, what's going to happen? You're just going to break down, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and we think about that, like with the older population, you know, that strength and the power, mm-hmm. because we take it for granted, just able-bodied people, but walking for the older people, that requires power to make those moves happen and mm-hmm. to resist those different planes of motion. And that's why they end up shuffling things like this, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot more power involved. In fact, that was my last um, Perform Better lecture in person that I gave was on uh, power training for seniors. Um, and it is, it's like, there's, there are more things that, that they do that require power that, than we think about. And uh, yeah, so, and, and we lose it so quickly. Oh, that's um, the think, first thing to go. Right. And I think too, the, the other thing that we need to do is to make sure that we're educating people on what strength looks like. Cause so many people think strength and they automatically think of like the bodybuilder or the power lifter or like these big, you know, people. And obviously you, you and I know, like, that's not necessarily what strength is and strength can look very different based on what you're doing. And, um, but I, I think that it takes a lot of education and maybe we talk about it differently. Maybe we, you know, call it something else, you know, I mean, there, there are certainly ways to, to get people to understand it. Cause you know, we definitely, we definitely know they need it. And so whatever, whatever way we can get them on board, uh, you know, that's what we need to do. Well, what I, I kind of coined and I, I steal it from Josh, but I stole it from Josh because he gave it to me. So I don't know if I stole it, but you know, for DVRT, you make programs, like they want you to make the uh, programs that basically here's your 12 weeks of training and all this. And he ended up calling it movement strength. Mm. So that's what I, when we talk to people in the gym, I say, well, there's gym strength and then there's movement strength and the movement strength. And I like to talk to people about movement efficiency. Like for me, that's strong because when you do now there's power involved too, right? I mean, movement strength, you have to be stable. You have to be mobile. You have to be strong. You have to be powerful, Mm -hmm. kind of like your snatches and your cleans, right? I mean, it's about the efficiency of that exercise, because if it's not as efficient, the battling ropes, if you're not very efficient with that, you're going to waste more energy. And then all of a sudden you're going to be working in places that you should be working. Right. Right. Well, I mean, everything works in the battling ropes. Everything works in DVRT but the primary movers kind of get put to the side and then the assistant movers are now become center stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do know that you are, are you going to Orlando here soon? Or are you going to Chicago only? No, I'll be in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really excited about that. So perform better. You're going to be in Chicago. Now I, you know, you don't have to do, you don't have to give us all your secrets. Are you doing a hands-on and a lecture? I am. That's fantastic. Um, so you're, you're, your thing, your thing, your topic that you're talking about is mental and physical resiliency, correct? Yeah. So it's becoming unshakable. And the whole idea is, you know, it's not to be unbreakable. I mean, obviously things happen and we get injuries, we have setbacks, there are all all kinds of things that can happen, but it's like, how can you best prepare yourself to handle that physically, mentally, and continue to move forward, continue to thrive and 
you know, I mean, it's, it's exactly what people had to do. Um, you know, in the last couple of years, there were a lot of, a lot of people with the same exact experiences and some, some did really well and made the, the decisions and reaction had the, the, you know, chose the reactions that they needed in order to keep moving forward and others allowed themselves to, you know, make it an excuse and, and, you know, not have such a good experience. Um, right. so yeah, so it's, it's just kind of tying all those things together. And it's also helping people, helping people navigate their own journey, because what, what it looks like for me is going to be different than what it looks like for you and what it looks like for anybody else. But if you, <clears throat> if you don't know where to start, like, you know, you want to explore this, but you don't know where to start, like, where do you go? And so, so part of the talk is going to be about like, here are some ways you can begin on this journey. Here's how you can explore it and find your own path. Um, and so that it can be authentically yours and not necessarily just like trying to mirror what somebody else has done. Oh, I'm excited for that then. And I, I just, you know, you say all the right, I love it, you know, because words have such meaning. So I'm going to be writing that down. I'm going to steal that from you about being unbreakable because we, we do break. Mm -hmm. But the unshakable thing, I like that. That's, uh, that's powerful. And, you know, you're talking about these last couple of years making, you know, you could choose a couple of different decisions. You could be, what was me? You know, life is hard. And I'm going to add, I did, I had a little bit of that at the beginning because, you know, the, the ankle breaking sure. happened in January 2020. And then right when I'm ready, and I just bought out my business partner in September last year. So like, I got the business all to myself. I'm excited. And then this happens. I'm like, oh, step back. But I have an amazing staff that was able to help out. And, and I think, you know, as we're going, and I had the, I don't know if you remember, I had the iWalk thing. So it wasn't the scooter that you put your leg on and you scoot around. It was like the pirate peg leg. And oh. that was, that was amazing because I could go up and down stairs um, you know, and it's, I saw people with the scooter and it's like so big and cumbersome, mm -hmm. um, so wide. And so like, this was really neat. And then it got a lot of attention too. Like I remember going up to orthopedics in the hospital. I think I was like the hero. Everybody's like on crutches and they see me just like kind of do my captain hook thing as I walk in anyway, digress. So I'm sitting here ready to recover. I'm ready to do my thing. March of 2020. I'm like, Oh, weight bearing. Here we go. Boom. <laughs> and I do say though, like, and, you know, but that actually, I think to some degree, having that whole lockdown stuff, as much as it sucked and I didn't like it, helped my physical recovery mm. because I could at small doses be weight bearing and then be like, all right, time to sit down for a little bit. Where mm. I think if I was on the training floor, I'd have to rely more on the boot. Um, so I actually, I didn't use the boot at all. I said no. Um, and I got some advice from a good PT friend of mine and I took it. But when we're talking about making those decisions and thriving, I guess, under the pressure, was that when you started doing a little bit more of your DIY stuff? Or uh, Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, I think, um, you know, one of one of my components of all of this is is having an outlet that like having something you do where you lose you lose time, right? Like you you start it and you're so immersed and so excited about what you're doing that hours can pass and you're like, wow, it's already four o'clock. Um, and, and I, and I like the challenge. I like to, to try new things. And, um, and I, I, I wanted to be a beginner at something. I wanted to do something where I had no expectations and, you know, I didn't want to like try to 
you know, go back to weightlifting or whatever. Like I wanted to do something that was new. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I started, you know, we, we moved into this house in, um, what June. So this will be three years, just, just last weekend. So Memorial day weekend, uh, three years ago, and we actually gutted the kitchen and dining room and did flooring and new cabinets and all that stuff ourselves. Um, and we had a fireplace in there and next to the fireplace were two just empty sections. And when we lived in Tennessee, I had had two platforms, two weightlifting platforms in the garage. And here I didn't have room for that. So I had all this extra wood. And I was like, I wonder if I can build a cap, like a built-in set of shelves right there. I'm like, I've got the wood. It's just going to take my time. I'm going to go ahead and try it. And I did. <laughs> Good for you. I mean, I think that's just amazing. Like, I love how you say it. I just want to be a beginner or something. I think, and I can understand like, from people that I, I only want to do the things I'm good at. Right. I don't want to. And that's why I think sometimes for myself, I, I don't, I don't take the initiative to start something new because I'm like, I don't know how to do it. And I freeze right. up. And for a long time, I was that way. It was like, cause I, I usually do pretty well when I first start new things. Like I, I tend to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then of course I did very well in some sports and some things. And so I've had this, this, you know, life of achievement and it is a bit of a, of an ego check to go, oh, I have to start down here, mm-hmm. right? Cause you have this thing that like, oh, I've, I know all these things it'll transfer over. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to, you got to start me up here. But like, realistically, like I hadn't done anything like that before. I used to be afraid of power tools <laughs> and now like <laughs> own my own, you know, table saw and radio, like Cornell bought me a, a radial arm saw for Valentine's day last That's year. That's the sweetest gift ever. ever. I was so happy. <laughs> well, um, it kind of, that reminds me so much of my wife because she is such a go-getter like like that and it was it's so fun watching your uh your instagram and your stories when you're doing these kind of projects because it's fun to see the befores and the afters mm-hmm. and how satisfying it is to know that you did that yeah um and i'm i'm to the point too where i'm like i'm happy to share it in the before stage not just after because mm-hmm. i'm like i this is what i'm going to try to do we'll see if it works <laughs> you know because i'm learning as i go and again like i don't have any expectations i'm not i'm not hired for a job and i need to like come through and do this for somebody so like if i fail i fail and i learned something and that's a, that's been a really big shift for me because that that used to not be something i would hide it until it was like mm-hmm. all done and then i'd be like okay i did it really well now i can <laughs> People. Um, and then if it didn't turn out well, it's never, nobody yeah, ever sees and, it. No. And even, you know, before, prior to my uh, Achilles tear, I was working on the sear wheel. So did you see my, my big wheel where I, the circus thing where I was starting to do that? And I like, did. you know, that's similar enough to things that I've done over the years that like that would have been in the past, something that I wouldn't have put out there as a brand new beginner. Like I was just learning. I had just gotten it. And I was like, this is fun. I'm having a great time. I'm going to share it with you. And, uh, and, and I didn't feel the need to like be good at it. I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm just learning. And here's what I did today. This is, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's important to be authentic to where you are and, and understand that like, you know, there's going to be all kinds of, of levels of what you're doing. And, um, and all of that is, is just life. Absolutely. Well, that's it. That's life stuff. I mean, if you can't be honest with yourself, who like how, how well of a human being are you going to be for other people? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's great, you know, cause you say failure, but I think we can both agree that you keep saying, I, you know, even if I fail, I learned something from it. So we never would chalk that up as a failure because now you know how to do it better and you can build upon that success. 
Well, and it's still, I would chalk it up as a failure potentially. Like if I totally didn't get the cabinet put together and it fell down or whatever, like it would be a failure, uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with failure. Like it's, it's something that I can use to learn something and do something different. And, um, so like, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that it, you know, what I did was a failure, right? Like, right. I don't, you know, I don't mean to be like the guy that's, I don't want to be the guy that's saying I can't mark with the red pen, but you just became cabinetless, cabinetless. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Um, no, that's beautiful. And I always joke with my wife because she has these DIY projects around the house and I get summoned to help. And I I keep telling her, I'm like, I don't think you understand DIY. It's the why is important. It's yourself. Um, (laughs) But then I'm like, I think we got to call it the dit, you know, do it together. But I'm usually, I'm usually the manual labor, believe it or not. And for some reason, I think it's funny because she wants me to do the, I kind of enjoy the uh, power drill. I know many, many of my friends and listeners out there don't believe that, but I, I like it. I mean, there's something satisfying about putting holes in the wall, especially when you own the building. So it's like, yeah, yeah if this doesn't work, it's an easy patch up. Right. Um, and there's been plenty of times where it has not worked. <laughs> um, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate all this. And you know, I think again, this is kind of our podcast is like, we have some things we talked about a lot of great things, especially the strength. I mean, so important. I just, I keep hitting about how strong people should be inside their capacity. I will be obviously hanging out, um, and perform better. If you need me, let me know. I will be at the mercy of Josh and Jess. So, so, um, I'm not quite sure how far the leash will go. Um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to a live event again with perform better. It's been too long. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. Excellent. So anybody out there that is listening, you can find Ingrid on the Instagram. I'll put this down in the story notes, but it's the Iron Valkyrie, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you will have that access there. You can follow her there. You can see all her DIYs and some of the amazing stuff. I believe I saw you June is handstand month. Is this what's going on? June is handstand month. Yeah. So I, I started with cycling month last month. Um, and cycling was one of those things that Uh, I kind of jumped into when I was still recovering from my Achilles. I couldn't walk very far yet, but I got on a bike and it was like freedom. I could go fast. I could go (laughs) far. It was amazing. So the last few years I've been cycling a lot. Um, So I cycled every day, one ride for every day of May. And so now jumping into June, uh, I had I had done well over 300 miles for May, so so I decided to do half of that for cycling, and then uh, handstands every day. So 30 days of handstands plus 150 miles of cycling. <laughs> you are ambitious. I love it. <laughs> I'm just thinking about June every day. I'll get out of bed. That's my goal. Uh, um, <laughs> totally joking, joking, joking. But Ingrid, again, it was a blessing to talk with you today. I will see you next month in Chicago. Yeah, I'm very excited. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yes, thanks for joining us. And so for all our listeners out there, until the next time we meet and speak, Godspeed.